All right, Jonah chapter 1 here tonight. Jonah chapter 1. Yes, I know I already preached through Jonah chapter 1. I'm using this by way of introduction into chapter 2. I want to emphasize some things on prayer here tonight. I read a book, uh, oh, it's been several months ago now, but um, it was entitled The Doctrine of Prayer. It's written, it was written in 1876, and this kind of uh, dates the, uh, the context. It's written by a professor at the University of Georgia. I don't think you're going to get much of a uh, book on prayer from the University of Georgia unless it's, you know, unless it's uh, you know, the New Agey type of prayer and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but th- there was a statement that grabbed my attention. That I wrote, actually, there's three different statements I want to mention here. But uh, the one in particular that grabbed my attention and really got me to thinking is prayer is natural to man. I, I thought about natural to man. And a verse that is mentioned in, in Scripture is Genesis 4.26, Then man began to call upon the Lord. Prayer is natural to man. I want to remind us of something here in Jonah chapter 1 in relation to that. It says here in Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, I did not say that prayer, is, uh, prayer to the one true God is natural to man, but prayer itself is natural to man. It says here in verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, There was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Notice, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. When somebody, even an unbeliever, gets desperate enough, they'll be calling out to their God, some supreme being of some, some, you know, somewhere. And let's cast forth the wares that were in the ship in the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down, the one the one who served the true God, he's sleeping instead of praying. Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So notice again this this statement in relation to uh, the mariners praying. Also notice verses 14 through 16. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, again the the mariners. Notice now they're crying unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done it, uh, done, I should say, as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. As I pointed out uh, in, in this chapter one message, the sea ceased from her raging. Obviously, this was a miraculous, immediate calm, or they would not have been so awed by, uh, by Jonah's God. Notice then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So again, we see here that that the statement that prayer is natural to man, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is going to do that because of their their, uh, unbelief and so on. But another statement from that book, The Doctrine of Prayer from 1876, the religious element within him, however much he may through depravity resist it, prompts him to recognize the existence of a supreme being to inquire after and to worship him. Notice with me, uh, hold your place there, notice with me Romans chapter 1. Familiar passage, but I want you to see this in, in the, the light of that statement. I'll say that again while returning there. The religious element within, within in him, I should say, within created man, however much he may through depravity resist it, prompts him to recognize the existence of a supreme being to inquire after and to worship him. That's why I've said our, our schools are nothing more than institutions to educate God out of people's thinking. Atheism, atheism in our schools 
all of this, this secularism, the socialism, all that kind of stuff, all of that stuff is designed to educate God out of our, our young children's thinking. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and following it says here, uh, for the wrath of God is, notice present tense, it's now revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, Sounds like our college professors. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, to birds, to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. After we have this list, this catalog of wickedness that is still true today, so, so notice here, it may probably intensified, has intensified, but the reality is all, all of generation, all generations have been filled with unrighteousness, fornication, and so on. Notice verse 32. At the end of this list, it says here, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You notice here again the reality, all of us by, have, have a created design within us, God himself has created, created this, that we acknowledge and recognize that there is something or someone greater than us. So again, the, the, the religious element within him, within man, however which he may through depravity resist it, again we saw that in Romans 1, prompts him to recognize the existence of a supreme being to, being to inquire after and to worship. Another statement, there is no tribe, however ignorant and degraded, that is destitute of a system of religion. Think about that. Missionaries constantly will talk about, you know, there's gods, whether they're wicked gods, pagan gods, whatever. There are gods in these island nations, remote island nations. They all recognize a supreme being and or beings. So you think about this, as, as they sacrifice, do sacrifices or whatever, there's appeals made to turn away this God's wrath and appeals to grant favor towards them. So again, we understand the, the reality of God, even as we see in Genesis, or Genesis, Job chapter 1, Job, Jonah, one, one of those, you know, anyway. Jonah chapter 1, another statement from the Old Testament, Isaiah 55 verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Literally, there's a time, there comes a time when mercy and grace will run out. What, what is hell? What's the lake of fire? It's, it's being separated from God's grace and mercy forever. It's not gonna be, they're not going to be separated from God's presence. God is omnipresent. Notice also Job. This, this is maybe why I had other... Looks at the Bible going through my mind. Job 21. I want, I want you to notice a statement here based on these things that I've mentioned here. Job 21. Notice verses uh, 13 through 15. 
I want you to consider here that as far as our lives as professing believers, prayerlessness is practical atheism. Oh, I, I believe in God. Okay, do you pray? The reality is if we're not praying to what everyone recognizes as a supreme being, if we're not praying to God, then I want you to consider we're practical atheists in our actions. It says here in Job 21, verse 13, they spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, this is the, the wicked who prosper, obviously. Therefore they say unto God, notice they're not atheists. These people are not atheists that are, are being described here by Job. They say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? That's a question they're asking. You know, who, who's, who's the Almighty God that, that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we, notice, pray unto him? That's the question from the wicked. That is practical atheism. They recognize there's a God, and now let's consider that they, they act as if there is no God that they're going to give an account to someday. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, of course, says, pray without ceasing. Psalm 14, verse 4 says, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? And one of the statements made in answer to that question, who call not upon the Lord. The workers of iniquity do not call upon the name of the Lord. You think about that. Practical atheism. Of course, Luke 18, 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. So as we understand this, even the, the uh, heathen pagan mariners were calling out to their gods, but as we go back to uh, Jonah chapter 2 now, I want you to notice something here. In fact, I've, I've kind of tentatively um, entitled this uh, lesson here tonight, Praying from the Belly of Hell. You, you understand in verse 2 when we get to that point. Notice it says here, Jonah 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I want you to consider again, back in chapter 1, he's sleeping instead of calling upon the true God, the creator God, when all of the mariners are calling upon their false gods. As Jonah is running from God, he's not, he doesn't believe he's able to call upon God. I don't believe he really wants to because he's trying to run from the presence of the Lord, it says twice in chapter 1. So as we think about here, Jonah prayed, verse, verse 1, then finally Jonah prays unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. He should have been praying sooner in response to surrender to God's, God's plan for him going to Nineveh. Notice he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Notice this. This is the statement. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Notice what's he talking about there. Verse 1 tells us he's calling upon the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And yet as he begins to pray, he describes this as the belly of hell. Now, let me remind you that Jonah is a believer in the one true God. So we're not talking about literal hell here. In fact, this statement, as I was doing some reading on, on chapter, uh, chapter 2 of Jonah, the belly of the whale was like a hell in his conscience. That's that a powerful statement. Literally, it says here in verse 2, I cried by reason of mine affliction. Can I remind you that many times we are the cause of our own afflictions. We are the cause of our own problems and troubles. Because our bad choices, bad decisions... Jonah's experiencing that now. He was running in the opposite direction of what God wanted him to do. 
But I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. He's crying out to the Lord God. Now, I want to point out some things here. Um, There's a very similar statement to this in Psalm 120, verse 1. I'm I'm going to mention several psalms as we read through these 10 verses, and I'm, I'm going to emphasize that at the end here as well. I want you to notice here again, he says, I'm crying out. He's crying out unto the Lord out of the belly of hell. And notice the confidence that he has that thou heardest my voice. God hears us. In fact, I believe the first prayer that God is going to hear when we're rebelling against him, the first prayer he's going to hear is our saying, God, forgive me. God, I'm confessing my wrong. I'm going to get it right with thee. Literally, he has the confidence that God has heard his voice. Notice this interesting statement in verse 3. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. Now, wait a minute. I thought the mariners we saw in chapter 1 were the ones who cast him over. No, God used the mariners' hands, but Jonah recognized that it was God who, who made sure he was in, this, in the, uh, the, the deep, in the midst of the seas. Of course, we're obviously talking about the Mediterranean Sea in particular. And notice he also makes this statement. The floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. If you're jotting down references, Psalm 42 verse 7 has statements very similar to this. So so again, we see here references or allusions at least to the Psalms. Again, that's going to be important for a statement I make at the end. Verse 4, notice, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight Yet I look again toward thy holy temple. Now, let me, let me ask you, as I was meditating on this chapter here, where is Jonah when he's praying this? It's not, not, not a trick, trick question. I want for us to think about something. All right, so he's in the fish's belly, the whale's belly. So let me ask you, do you think he has a sense of direction in the fish's belly? How does he know which direction is the temple in Jerusalem? How would he even know that? I want you to consider that he's not necessarily praying toward the, the temple in Jerusalem. There, there's absolutely no way. He, could, he doesn't have a compass. He doesn't know which direction the, 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 the great fish is swimming at that point. I mean, he's got, this passage is going to talk about he's going, uh, the, the fish goes down to the, the, the depths and comes back up again. I'm sure for three days and three nights he has no sense of direction whatsoever. Literally, he is praying to the Lord's temple in heaven. I, I believe that's the only answer to understand that. It says, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Psalm 31, 22, again, has a similar statement. Verse 5, it says, the waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. Now, not the last part there, but Psalm 69, verses 1 and 2, very similar. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. Uh, the psalmist often talks about when my, my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, various passages. But notice that that's an interesting word picture there. The weeds were wrapped, around, uh, wrapped about my head. As he's lying in the, um, the fish's belly, all, evidently all the seaweed is wrapped up around him and he, he's acknowledging. He's, he's not unconscious this whole time. It says here, uh, uh, verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. All right, so, so I hope he's not getting seasick here, huh? Uh, you know, notice the fish is doing what, what 
these great fish will, you know, these whales will often do. Notice they're going down to the depths and then going back up to get air. Going down to the depths for three days and three nights. Are you seasick yet? <laughs> going up and down, up and down for three days and three nights. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. The bars there speak of cliffs and rocks. They're in verse 6, uh, talking about the, the depths there. And, and uh, let, me, let me tell you something very interesting. Right, when we think of mountains, we think of height above sea level, right? Do you realize that my wife and I lived on the world's tallest mountain? From the base to the top, not from sea level, but from the base to the top, the Big Island is the world's tallest mountain. At least what I was told. I, I, I didn't swim to the bottom to, to check it out, but, but um, I, I didn't find a whale to take me down there. But, um, but as you think about this, uh, we think about the mountains. Notice the statement that's made there. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. We, we never really had a chance there in, uh, in our two years to see a good sighting of the whales. I don't, don't remember what, even what time of the year they, they will come in around the big island, around the island, Hawaiian Islands. What's that? Yeah, somewhere around January, I guess. And uh, so, so uh, but, but there's certain places that they will go. And, and literally, the whales, of course, uh, they go up to the top to get air, and then, then they'll go clear down, you know, to the, to the depths, you know, to get fish and whatever, you know, to feed. But, uh, but again, very much word picture here. I went down in the whale's belly to the bottoms of the mountains. Notice the last part of verse 6 then. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. There's a very similar statement in relation to even Jesus Christ in Psalm 16, verse 10. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That holy one obviously is the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and literally as we think about Jonah in the whale's belly three days and three nights is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the statement here um, that, uh, you know, that uh, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thine holy temple. Uh, several, several references in the Psalms there. Verse 8, that uh, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Psalm 31, verses 6 and 7. You notice here, lying vanity speaks of idolatry. Literally, those who observe idolatry, lying vanities, they forsake their own mercy. Uh, that, that's why, why Judah, why northern Israel went into captivity, why they were judged by God because of their idolatry. Uh, verse 9, but I will sacrifice. Notice these promises that he makes to the Lord while he's in Whale Seminary here. I, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice that statement there, salvation is of the Lord. When, when we think of salvation, I believe we wrongly automatically assume it's salvation from, from God's judgment, eternal damnation, all those things. That is not the only, only a statement of salvation or a kind of salvation find, found in the Bible. Literally, salvation speaks of deliverance. Whether it's salvation from an eternal hell or deliverance, you know, salvation from trials and, and difficulties and, and so on. He says salvation is of the Lord. All salvation, all deliverance is of the Lord. Whether, whether it's deliverance from trials, afflictions, as he uses that word, 
But again, he says these promises, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that, uh, I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I, I wrote this down. Jonah was a bitter prophet and caused, him, caused the whale an indigestion. Um, but notice, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, can I remind you, as I mentioned in, in chapter 1, can I remind you three days and three nights in the whale's belly is going to affect his appearance. I can only assume that uh, the, the whale's stomach acids bleached his hair, all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe some of his hair was even partially consumed. I don't know. Um, but that, that whale, you know, the Lord said, all right, it's t- time to get rid of that, that bitter prophet that you have. It doesn't say where, which land. It just says that he vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I, I, ha- I like to think that it's probably where he started from, where he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. No, I don't know if it's you know, near Joppa or what. But literally, Jonah has a second chance to go in the right direction. But you think about this uh, type. Again, the Lord Jesus talks about this. This type to a resurrection, three days and three nights. Literally, Jesus uses this example as a sign of his resurrection. Now, I emphasized throughout this chapter, just 10 verses, but how many times I mentioned different references to the Psalms, many allusions or even partial statements to the Psalms. This probably, first of all, tells me that Jonah spent a lot of time in the Psalms, Um, in particular, probably the Psalms of David, as we see some of the Psalms that were quoted, but all these allusions to the Psalms. Can I remind you that the Psalms are one of the best places to find comfort from God. Think about comfort of God's word. There are times, and I try to pray through, actually several times during the year, trying to pray through the Psalms. But just to pay attention to the wording. Literally, these are written prayers that we can turn back to God. Every once in a while, I come across some articles or whatever, or statements even about people who write out their prayers. I don't believe that's necessarily a wrong thing. Um, Psalmist did it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, writing out a prayer. The, the problem is sometimes when you write out prayers like that they, they, and you repeat them, sometimes all it is is become rote statements that you say that don't mean anything after a while. Here's, here's the reality of it. Praying the Psalms, I believe, provides comfort for the soul. But also, there's, there's a statement that grabs my attention, of course, to... Uh, Psalm 23, he restoreth my soul. How, how does the Lord, the shepherd, do that? Right here. He restoreth my soul. I also think of the statement in the Psalms where the Israelites uh, re- had leanness sent into their soul because they demanded things from God. And God gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. Think about that as, 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 as we think about our bad decisions, our bad choices. Many, in many cases, we cause our own afflictions, our own trials. And yet God is waiting for us. Sometimes we end up in the belly of hell. I'm, I'm using that statement on purpose. That's exactly what God the Holy Spirit moved Jonah to write here in this, in this uh, chapter. 
But, but you think about the, the, the reality of it. I, in, in fact, if you've not done this ever before, I, I, I'm asking you, go to Psalm 1 and just slowly pray through the Psalms. You know, some of them are really short, two verses. One, one is really long. To Carl, Brother Carl, months to read through it. But, but think about that. Especially pay attention to statements when the psalmist is saying thy, thou. As you think about it, it's statements that are directly praying to God. I really believe, I really believe. And then you think about David's prayers in relation to his sin, his wickedness. He says, my sins have gone over my head. When I acknowledge my iniquity, thou forgavest the iniquity. Think about that. All of these things. But obviously the Psalms were very important to Jonah. I don't think he had a, a, you know, a, a lantern. I don't think he probably even had his copy of the Old Testament with him or his, in the book of Psalms. So he was having to meditate and pray these Psalms because of familiarity. Let me ask you, when you go through a trial and a difficulty, do you know enough of the Psalms that... The Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind, provide comfort for your soul. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us, Lord, first of all, to avoid these bad decisions that bring afflictions into our lives according to our own making. But Lord, I pray that when we are in the whale's belly, the belly of hell, I pray that you'd help us to turn to thy truth lift up our eyes and look unto you, even as Jonah prayed unto thy holy temple, to call upon thee, to get our hearts right before thee, I pray in Jesus' name.